This episode of Parenting Great Kids is brought to you by BetterHelp. No explaining why you have to leave work, no fighting traffic, and no uncomfortable waiting rooms. BetterHelp lets you connect with an experienced professional therapist in a safe and private environment. Text your therapist anytime, plus schedule phone, video, or chat sessions when it's convenient. And get help at your own time and place. To learn more or sign up, go to BetterHelp.com slash Meg. Enter the invite code Meg to get your first seven days free and show your support for the show. There's no shame in getting help because you are worth it. For 30 plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Friends, as I was thinking back through some of our episodes this year and remembering some of the great moments we've shared here together, I kept coming back to one particular episode that I just absolutely loved. One of my favorite conversations I had all year was with Bob Goff and his lovely wife, Sweet Maria. Bob and Maria joined me on the podcast earlier this year to talk about Maria's wonderful new book, Love Lives Here. While we certainly talk about the book, what I love the most is how our conversation really just centered around how Bob and Maria have learned to live extraordinary lives and how the choices we parents make to show up courageously every day impacts the lives of our families. As I know, we're all winding down the year and preparing to spend some great quality time with our friends and family. I wanted to share my conversation with Bob and Maria with you again this week in the hopes it encourages you and gives you permission to live and love with your heart and hands wide open, both in the holiday season and all year long. Also in this episode, I'll be featuring a listener question about how kids can learn to better interact and engage with other children who have special needs. As always, I'll share my points to ponder for you to start using right away. And parents, don't just download the episodes. Click subscribe. When you do that, you're joining my parenting revolution and every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribed list. And we'd love for you to write us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think. Not only are we on iTunes, but the Parenting Great Kids podcast is also available in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcast, subscribe today. Don't miss a single episode. So let's go on to our points to ponder first. And you'll hear Maria talk about this. We are not the things we've done nor the things done to us. You know, Maria will talk about a lot of struggle that she went through and the importance of not allowing the things that have happened to us to hold us down. But don't we do that? We do that a lot. We allow other people to define us. We compare ourselves to other people or we allow our mistakes to define us. You know, we've hurt another person. Maybe we've hurt our husband. Maybe we've had a bad divorce. Maybe we've hurt our parents. Maybe we've hurt our children. And it's almost as though once we do something that is painful and we feel like failures, 
those failures tie us down and we have difficulty progressing past that. And that's why it's terribly important not to constantly look back and allow our failures or our hurts or other things that people have done to us to prevent us from moving forward. And I think one of the best ways to do that, and you'll hear Maria talk about that, is to live courageously into the future, not in the back, but live in the present and then in the future and to take life on courageously. And when we do that, we begin parenting courageously. Because again, you're going to hear Maria and Bob talk a lot about what they did and and their lives. But it's terribly important because the best thing that a parent can give their child is a healthy self. If you can give your child a real sense that you enjoy who you are, you like who you are, you're content with your life, and you're not held back by old pains and old hurts and things that have been done to you, and you're stuck in your old failures. Guess how your kids will grow up? Your kids will grow up to feel content. They will grow up to like themselves. They will grow up to give themselves grace and to forgive themselves. So my point to ponder number one, we are not the things we've done, nor the things done to us. That's straight out of Maria's book. Second point, don't settle for living on the surface. You know, many times we are so afraid to let people see who we really are that we put on airs. You know, we we get wound up in what other people think. And when we do that and we live on that level, we allow ourselves to be shallow people. And you will hear Maria talk about the importance of living more deeply and diving deep. And what I'd like to do to explain my second point to ponder is simply read to you a paragraph from her book. And she writes, there's another version of ourselves that lies somewhere under the surface. She's talking about a pond. It's the one shaped and scarred by tremendous joy and painful loss. It is equally us. It's just a different version. This version of ourselves is not one where a accustomed to letting people see because it resides in the recesses of our lives. It takes time and energy and moments of deep reflection for us to see this version of ourselves. It's not the depth that blocks our view. It's the clutter on the surface that does. It's our instinct to flee, to escape pain rather than confront it. But it's in the engagement that we continue to grow. As you listen in on my conversation with Maria and Bob Goff, I want you to listen to the tone of their voice, the enthusiasm, the willingness to confront life in all its joys and in all its pains, and then to bring that and to live that right in front of your children. My third point, let God in. You know, many of us are afraid to sit alone. We're afraid to be alone. We're afraid to look back. We're afraid to confront our failures. We're afraid to confront our feelings. Maybe, you know, a painful past or a tough relationship with a parent or maybe even growing up with a parent who was abusive. But we're afraid to sit still because in that stillness, we are with ourselves. And many times in that stillness, we find that we can't escape a certain pain and that's where 
God meets us. And I think sometimes we're as much afraid of seeing ourselves and feeling what we need to feel that we're afraid that perhaps there is a spiritual dimension to who we are and perhaps God is real and perhaps God will meet us there. You know, many of us are afraid to sit and to be alone or to meditate, to pray, because stillness is very uncomfortable and it's disquieting. But as Maria talks in her book about a pond, she talks about looking into a pond and throwing a stick on the surface, that our lives are not just about the surface of the pond and it's not just about what's on the bottom, but really it's in the middle place between the surface and the deep where all the muck, the joy and the bad collides. And it's really in that middle place in the pond and in our lives That's where God meets us. And when we meet him, we cannot be afraid to let God in. And I know that both Maria and Bob feel very strongly about that because they both have very strong faiths and they draw a lot of strength and courage and healing from their faith with God. Friends, it seems like we can't get through a news cycle without hearing another tragic story about a victim of bullying. A child who's beat up, taunted online, or in worst case scenario, has even committed suicide because he can't take the pain anymore. Bullying is more than a problem. It's an epidemic that's taking a toll on an entire generation. Something that used to be limited to the schoolyard and cafeteria is now possible to do anywhere, anytime with technology and social media. Cyberbullying is now just as common, if not more so, than face-to-face bullying. And this digital age has affected our children psychologically in ways we're only now beginning to understand. Whether the bullying occurs in the school or online, parents often feel helpless in this realm. What can you do? How do you protect your child? How do you prevent him or her from being a victim of bullying or from becoming a bully? But as a strong believer in parents, I don't think you're helpless when it comes to bullying. To help you navigate this crucial subject, I've written a special ebook, Bullying, What Every Parent Can Do About It. In this ebook, I discuss topics such as bullying at school, cyberbullying, what you can do if your child is being bullied, and what you can do if your child is the bully. To get your copy of my bullying ebook for only $2.99, go to megmeekermd.com slash bullying today. And when you use coupon code bullying podcast, I'll give you an extra dollar off. Parents, bullying is an epidemic, but it isn't hopeless. Go to megmeekermd.com slash bullying and get your ebook today. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Maria and Bob Goff about Maria's new book, Love Lives Here, Finding What You Need in a World Telling You What You Want. I know you're really going to enjoy it. My guests are Maria and Bob Goff. Maria is the author of a wonderful new book, Love Lives Here. Maria and Bob, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for inviting me on, and I appreciate you having Bob with me because um, I feel like we've we've parented together. We've done this together. So yeah. it's I love sharing our story and, and uh, the things that we've done with our kids, and, and we love encouraging people. So this will be great. We're looking forward to it. We're grateful to be on. 
I think one of the reasons, even if people aren't readers, they need to buy your book, Love Lives Here, is just to see the photos in the back, Maria. They're just hysterical. They're wonderful. I- <laughs> um, and, 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 and just looking at the collage of pictures sort of describes your marriage, your life, your kids, but it's 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 wonderful. Um, now, Maria, this is your first book. What uh, yeah. what What prompted you to write it? Well, I was totally inspired by Bob's book, Love Does, that he wrote a couple of years ago. And it was also stories of our family and our marriage, his faith, and things that we've done together um, to create a family that was different than the ones that we were raised in. And I love that our kids had his book on the bookshelf. And I thought, I really want to have mine too, because people were asking me like, so we've heard Bob's stories. So what are yours? You know, what's your angle on the same story? So I took about two and a half years and just dug in and got it written and I'm so glad I did. It's It's been a lot of fun seeing it out uh, in the world now. It mm-hmm. feels like a fourth child. Yeah, and it is. Yeah. Hopefully it's um, inspiring people and, and mostly encouraging them to lean in over their lives and, and take a look at some of the things that they can do and have done and figure out what the meaningful things are in their family and start intentionally living into it. Now you and Bob have three kids? Yes, we do. And they're grown? Yes, they're grown now. They're 24, 26, and 28. And the two oldest ones are recently married a few years ago. So our family's getting bigger. We don't have grandchildren yet. We're really looking forward to that. Uh, But while we're waiting, we have a puppy on hold. And we should be getting it in a couple of weeks. So we're excited about that. Oh, wonderful. Bob, what was it like for you as an author and a very successful author watching your beloved step out and sort of bear her soul on the pages? Because when you write a book, you know, people don't realize that you're exposing a lot of yourself. You don't mean to, but it happens. What was it like for you, Bob? Do you know what's been uh, uh, so entertaining is that I get in a room with a thousand people and that's like pure oxygen to me. But Maria thinks having me in the room is a lot of people. <laughs> so Maria see, is my kind of woman. Yeah. 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 yeah so to, to see her um, get her thoughts down on paper and it was so entertaining watching her write it. She would take our old Suburban that we've been driving since the kids are in uh, junior high school and, and she would paste all of her notes up on the wall <laughs> <laughs> and she's like been in the car writing this. So I can tell you because it's just us. There's like no listeners. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just you and a million people. Yeah. She would just literally paper herself in there and she would have her laptop and it was like her like little writing cocoon. It was very cute. The suburban, the suburban office. I've heard of people writing books in closets. Yes. Um, I've written books sort of all over because people say, when do you write or how do you write? I said, you know, if you like to write, you're writing all the time. I'll be doing the dishes and I've got stuff going, you know, in my head. Now, I'd love to dive right into your book because it's not a parenting book. But it's a great parenting book. You know, your chapter titles, you have one title, Keep Your Eyes on Your Own Paper, which I love. And you make a statement in there that really hit me. And you say, do what makes you the most loving, hopeful version of yourself. And here's one of the things I've learned as a pediatrician. When parents get their lives in order, their kids just are great. So... Will you expound on that? Do what makes you the most loving, hopeful version of yourself. 
Yeah, I think that one of the things that we struggle with if we're, you know, a, a, a single person, a career person, a mother of a lot of kids or none at all, we tend to compare ourselves to each other. It's just kind of a human nature condition. And I found that I was doing that a lot as a young child because I struggled in school. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand why the person sitting next to me was getting better grades than I was because, you know, she, you know, we were had the same teacher, we had the same assignments. So that was a hard lesson to learn early on. And I think what I got out of that is eventually we have to discover for ourselves who we are and embrace that without trying to judge somebody else's gift as being more important than ours. Like, for example, in our marriage, Bob and I are very different. And I like to think of him as he's the balloon and I'm the string. And each of us, (laughs) we're doing different things, but what we're doing is equally important. Absolutely. Bob, does that statement resonate with you? I mean, because you've watched Maria and you talk about this in your book, Maria, you've really been through a lot of struggles. You know, keep your eyes on your own paper is the beginning. But later on, you talk about eating disorders and this just real profound sense of sort of self-hatred and being at the bottom. And then Mm -hmm. you meet Bob, who just sort of seems like he's turned your life around. What kind of a transformation, Bob, have you watched happen to Maria? The beautiful thing, the, the power of love, and it'll never be the person that you marry or you like the most. It'll be other things in your life, your faith, your family, that just kind of shapes all of us. And so what I've seen with Maria is that when she was talking about being who you are, She's also have this keen sense of where she is. There's a great series of paintings by this famous painter called Thomas Cole. It's called The Journey of Life. And it shows these four paintings, somebody young and then middle-aged and a little older. And and just kind of figuring out where you're at in each painting. We went together to Washington, D.C., where they have these massive paintings in the Smithsonian. And we just kind of took turns standing in between the paintings to say, this is the eight-year-old version of Maria. This is the 20-year-old version. I'm 58. So like this is the 58-year-old version of Bob. So Mm -hmm. to take each of these paintings and to not only know who you are and then where you are kind of in the paintings, but then finally to figure out what you want. And Mm. one of the things that Maria is really good at is knowing what she wants. And she just wanted to have a terrific family, which is just beautiful. And that together, I want to go like, you know, go to Somalia and Uganda (laughs) and start schools and start one in Iraq and all that. And, uh, I just know where Maria is. Her biggest accomplishment has been done at the house. And what I realized is that I get to live my life because I'm married to a woman who knows who she is, where she is, and what she wants. And she wants huge things in her lives. And Mm. it's been so fun to watch those unfold. Wow. But you know, Marie, it seems to me that Bob is describing a woman who knows herself and you know what you want and you live with a sense of contentment because you don't need to go off and try new things. But how did you arrive at that point? Because I was, you know, reading about you admitting yourself into the hospital and and really struggling. What happened to you? What went click and you understood that you didn't have to live that way? For me, what clicked was finding myself at rock bottom. And when you're there, and maybe some of your listeners are there or have been there, know that there's not a lot of options other than Mm -hmm. up. 
So, yes. <laughs> so to bounce up, I knew that I needed help. And so it was at that point that I reached out and tried to find the best help that I possibly could. And I um, had carried around a lot of anxiety from, you know, just trying to make my way through childhood and some of the experiences that I had. And I held a lot of that tension inside me, like mostly in my stomach. And mm-hmm. I tried to self diagnose it and care for myself and ended up becoming addicted to an over-the-counter drug to help with my stomach to settle it down. So I knew that I was that sick, that, mm. that I was addicted to this drug, and it occurred to me as a young single woman alone in the world that there was a really good chance that my dream of becoming a wife and mother one day wouldn't come true if I was that sick. And so that motivated me to follow through on the help that was available to me and get that taken care of. And I'll never forget that time as one of recentering my life. And, you know, my faith was rekindled, who I was was rekindled, where I wanted to go was rekindled. And I just left the rehab that I'd admitted myself into a new person, but on wobbly legs. I didn't come out like completely, you know, rare and to go. But it was in that moment that I met Bob. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love the chapter title, Meeting Bob. And it's it's, 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 it's a great chapter because you have to read it. And it tells so much yeah. about Bob and, you know, who he is. You know, you yeah. have um, you have lived a lot of life together. And clearly, you have a very strong marriage. And you love marriage. And, and I share that with you. I love being married. You know, I've been married 36 years. And I, I just, my husband and I work together. And everybody's says, how in the world do you work together? I said, oh, that's nothing. I said, the trouble comes when we're raising kids together because, (laughs) you know, that's to me what really matters. But you really worked as a team in raising your kids. And how did you support each other raising your kids? You know, what? I, I think one of the things that stands out in my mind that I saw Maria doing, not only in my life, but in the kids' lives constantly, is to talk about instead of who we were, she talked a lot about who we're becoming. Mm. And I think that's kind of the people in our lives that that see who we're turning into rather than uh, all the things that we used to be. And the same holds true about successes and failures that some people get head faked and they somehow think they're defined by their biggest failure. And we're not. And so other people get head faked a different way and think they're defined somehow by their big success. And we're not all those things... Like, God sees who we're turning into. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea is that we're just turning into love. <laughs> yeah. Some of us more slowly than others. But that's the whole idea that to see people. I took um, a little kid up Kilimanjaro, a little. Oh, my God. Of course you did. bonded boy. <laughs> uh, he had been uh, abducted by a witch doctor. They mm. cut off all these private parts of his. We brought him in <gasps> to the United States. We mm. became his legal guardians, had this operation. And uh, when he, every one of our kids gets a 10-year-old adventure. And so when he turned 10, I asked him, where do you want to go? And he said, Kilimanjaro. I'm like, no. no. I mean, there's yeah. a reason the name Kill is in there. Yeah. And so yeah. we went up this and the kid didn't make it to the top, but he made it to 16,800 feet, mm-hmm. which isn't bad for a four and a half foot tall kid. One of the things that I did, we, we brought up all these medals and I started putting them on his chest. And I mm. said, you're brave. You're mm-hmm. courageous. That's what Maria has been doing for us. She's been putting these medals on her chest and to just see, she doesn't talk about how far we have to go. She talks a lot about 
how far we've come. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I've observed uh, uh, make our family strong is have people that see who we're becoming, see how far we've come instead of talking about how far we have to go. And in parenting, that it has been these words of life that we can say to our kids and to say, look how far you've come and right. go give them a medal. You can get a thousand of them for a nickel on eBay. But just like, yeah. just do that. That kind of acknowledgement, especially coming from someone that you, you love or a parent just goes forever. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Maria and Bob Goff. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Whether it's making holiday cookies with the kids or ringing in the new year with a few glasses of bubbly, some of our favorite traditions make it hard to feel our best. Healthy family dinners are possible, even as schedules get hectic. Sunbasket's weekly meal deliveries are making that happen. Sunbasket makes it easy for you to cook delicious meals at home. You pick from 12 weekly recipes and they deliver organic and clean ingredients right to your door. Everything is pre-measured and easy to prep so you can get a healthy and delicious meal on the table in about 30 minutes. Their family menu lets you prepare delicious meals the whole family will love. This holiday season, skip the grocery store and the parking lot madness. Discover how easy it is to get healthy, clean meals on the table with Sunbasket. Friends, I've been using Sunbasket for months, and I love them. I don't have to plan meals, go to the grocery store, or fight the lines. It makes my life so simple. Go to sunbasket.com slash Meg today to get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash Meg for $35 off sunbasket.com slash Meg. Everyone has a family member who tells the best stories from boat trips across the Atlantic to hilarious college pranks. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share those stories. Simply purchase a subscription for someone you love and each week StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. They reply with their story either via phone or email Then, after a year, their stories are bound into a beautiful keepsake book. And don't worry, data is secure and everything is private by default. You control who sees your stories. It's a great way to learn about your relatives and bridge geographic distance. And StoryWorth makes it easy to preserve your memories and pass them on to your children in their future families. It's a great holiday gift for anyone who enjoys telling stories. I will tell you, friends, my brother is a wonderful storyteller, and I'm going to send him StoryWorth this year because I want to read what he has to say over the next couple of years. His stories are definitely worth preserving and passing on to my kids. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com slash Meg when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com slash Meg. You know, it's a wonderful perspective because a lot of parents focus so much on you need to do this in order to get to here. You need to, and I, you know, I often tell parents many times when kids are born, it's like you start working on their portfolio because you want their portfolio to look a certain way by the time they're 18 so they can go to Harvard or Yale and then they can get their law degree and then they can make a lot of money and then raise kids to do the same thing. And instead of focusing on look where you were last year and look how you are now and wow, what kind of success. And even just shifting your perspective that way, 
I often tell parents, you know, great parenting is simple. It's very simple, but it's hard because, yes. you know, it's like Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God and then love your neighbors yourself. Well, yep. well okay, that's easy. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's very, very hard. But mm-hmm. your parenting style, both of you, seems to be quite bold. And you write about um, encouraging adventure in kids. And I mm-hmm. need you to tell our audience, Maria, about yes. how you helped your children run away. <laughs> well, I, they helped me help them run away. I'll tell you that. Okay. That's for sure. So uh, they were probably four, six, and eight at the time and were playing in the backyard, in a fenced-in safe backyard by themselves. And they came running inside because they had discovered that this great idea that they wanted to, quote-unquote, run away. Mm. and. Of course, that pushed every mommy button in me, and I, oh, yeah. I wanted to, like, knock down their dream and tell them that was a bad idea. They were too young, and, you know, what was wrong with the service around here? Anyway, you know, like that yeah. kind of, you can't think like that. Yeah. Um, or I had a choice, and that was to either, you know, knock it down or to get behind them. And I decided that I would get behind them because I saw the delight in their eyes and the enthusiasm that they weren't running away from something. They were running toward an adventure they wanted to take together. Okay. And so I saw value in that. I thought, this is beautiful. They they feel like they can take on the world because they have each other. Mm-hmm. And so I just tapped into what I do best versus what Bob does best. I thought of all of the details and the planning of it. And so I offered to help them pack. I'm like, well, <laughs> if you're going to run away, like, you know, let's think this through. If you did that today, Child Protective Service would be knocking <laughs> at your door, you know. But good for you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the their running away involved gathering all of their items up in a scarf and tying it to an end of a stick like Huckleberry Finn. And they just climbed. Their idea was to just climb up on top of the cinder block wall and just march along all three corners of our property line and make it back for dinner. And mm-hmm. while the, although they saw me go inside and shut the door behind me, like, you know, as if I was really gone, I yeah. watched every move they made from the bathroom window. I knew they were safe, and I just wanted to watch what they did. Like, what kind of fun were they going to have on this adventure? And sure enough, when they got home for dinner, you know, they weren't home in time for dinner, but the tone in their voice was what was priceless. They felt like their world just got bigger. They saw themselves and each other in a different way. And Mm -hmm. I see them now today going on adult-type adventures with each other. So I think we can help plant those seeds in them when they're young in hopes that when they grow, they still know, you know, who are the people around them that have their back. And it's so important. I just loved reading that. And um, because I think a lot of mothers, when they hear their three kids come and say, we want to run away, yeah. would, would go into this sort of diatribe in their mind of what have I done wrong? And I'm a, ter- you know, yes. self doubt. Yeah. And you just sort yeah. of turned it on its head and go, Oh, that's a great idea. I'd like to run away too. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. love how then you take that and you compare it to sort of that's how God sees us. You know, he, yeah. he sees us packing up and doing these things, but he's kind of in the kitchen staring out the window, always have our back, but we don't see him there. Right, right. But he's there. He's there. And he's Mm -hmm. watching every step that we make. And and he knows knows what we need to pack. And he gives us those gifts and those talents and the love that we need to sustain us. That's coming from him. And so our kids knew that they were loved. They weren't trying to find that for themselves. They were just on a childlike adventure. And I think that having a childlike faith needs to be cultivated in all of us. Yes. Oh, absolutely. 
it sounds like your husband still lives with a big childlike faith to just kind of go <laughs> off and, and, and do a lot of things. Bob, did you encourage the same sense of go out and take a risk and go out and try? Well, you obviously must have. There's a picture of your son jumping out of a plane. Um, but, 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 and that's you know, so, it, only because it cropped me out jumping yeah. after him. Yeah. But that idea of being uh, with each other. I, I can just speak for every man on earth in saying that we're pretty good in being proximity with each mm-hmm. other, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between being in proximity to one another and being actually with one another. And so with your kids, uh, to just be with it, with your spouse, the people that you love the most, just don't just be in proximity, be with each other. Maria and I have a ball and we don't even like baseball, but we throw it back and forth. And uh, it, it's crazy. If you answer your phone, you'll lose some teeth. There's something like really good about yeah. just toss a ball back and forth. Mm-hmm. Do it with your kids. I think that's the whole idea. And it isn't lost on me, this idea of Emmanuel, like God with us. us with each other. And I think the reason there's so many of us is so nobody will be lonely for very long. Right. Right. So just to be in like very present, it's, um, that's what I've noticed. And for guys like me, I'm like that dog in up, you know, that gets easily distracted. I'm like squirrel (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like off to the next thing. Yeah. So um, one of the things that Maria brings out in me is to just be very present and right now. And, and then you can build those things like little by little. I built that into my own habits, like the people mm-hmm. that help schedule things with me. They only tell me what I'm doing today, tomorrow and the next day. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what I'm doing after that. But to just be really present. It's uh, we've all experienced when you're at a dinner party and somebody's looking past you to the yeah. next person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what happens is we look past each other if we're not actually present with them right now. And so just mm-hmm. practicing that idea of being present, present, present. Mm-hmm. It's so important because I see a lot of kids who feel very lonely and they're in a very crowded world. And I think they often yeah, yeah. feel very lonely in their homes. So mm-hmm. do you think, and either one of you can answer it, do you think it's easier for women to be present or men to be present? Or are they both the same? I think they're both the same. I just, mm-hmm. whoever, you know, for uh, in our family, I desire to be the one at home with my kids. Mm-hmm. Other families have done it beautifully, and it's the opposite where the man is at home. I think that it has to do with whoever you're with feels that love. Yeah. And I know early on while we were, you know, trying to figure out how we were going to do family different than the one we were raised in, we decided we were going to pick our kids first and hopefully the result of that would be that later on in life, then they would pick us. So it's kind of like investing into a savings account. You, there's never a, a guarantee of that, but we saw the value in that, like picking them first, coming alongside their dreams. Something uh, really kind of neat happened. I was a partner at a great big law firm and there was probably 25 partners. And when our kids were old enough to walk around and talk and it really started getting interesting, I uh, <laughs> I told these guys, I want to spend the next three months with my kids and mm. uh, sweet Maria. And they looked at me like I was wearing, you know, pink galoshes and an umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. <laughs> they said like, you know, our sabbatical program, after 20 years, you get like nine minutes off. So yeah. I didn't I didn't argue with these guys, but on Monday, I wasn't there. Wow. <laughs> I came back three months later. So you literally they, just walked out of your law practice for three months. 
They were so mad. I'm like, sue me. Like, there's something beautiful about this idea of if you needed dialysis, you'd go get it. You wouldn't like let anything. So I think one thing that I've seen Maria model, and I've tried to pick this up in my life too, is to pick our lives and then backfill our careers behind that. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes what we do is we pick our career and then we give our family the leftovers. And I'm just, we're 22 years into this cadence of saying we're taking three months and we're just spending it with one another. Mm -hmm. And it's not because we're wealthy. It's like, it's just because we decided. And you get to decide all kinds of things as parents. I want to tell your listeners, Mm -hmm. just decide beautiful things for your family. Just say, this is how we roll. I don't know why it's how we roll. It's just how we roll. (laughs) It's, it's really extraordinary. I love that. So you take three months off a year and just to be together. Totally. It's nuts. When the kids were like, dating (laughs) we brought boyfriends and girlfriends were like Mm -hmm. you really should hang out with us because if you don't like spending time with us you're gonna hate being married to all of us (laughs) yeah you come as a complete package i have uh, friends that do a similar thing and and i've always marveled at it and and i will tell you it's something i've always wanted to do but i never had the courage to do they one month of the year um, they take their kids to a, to a country and they live there for okay. one month and they live in the most obscure places and mm-hmm. and the kids are in school you know the parents have the same remark to the school they're like okay mm-hmm. kick us out but they can't kick yeah. you out it's a you know no. it's a public school so <laughs> yeah. you know they got to take the kids back the next year but the experiences huh. and the connection that they have with their kids is is really remarkable now, Bob, you talked about taking your kids on adventure. We heard about you taking your son to Kilimanjaro. Um, what other kinds of things have you done with your kids where you have been present with them? You know, one of the things that was uh, really neat uh, was a time that we spent in India together. We went over there as a family, and uh, we've gone on a lot of these adventures together, things that get the kids exposed to other cultures. I'll tell you one thing that Maria wrote about in her book was this world leaders trip where Mm. we took, after 9-11, downloaded the CIA website. We got the name of every leader of every country in the (laughs) world. We felt like we were hacking NORAD. But we got these leaders, and the kids wrote to every leader and asked if they could come over and meet with them. And we got 29 yeses. Mm -hmm. So we pulled the kids out of school, and we just went. Mm -hmm. And there's something beautiful about that. Some people think that's crazy. We got this British Airways, like $100 round-trip tickets, and Mm -hmm. we just went. You get to decide what you want to do. And oftentimes we'll think it's finances that hold you back. But oftentimes it's just the decision Mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to go to fill in the blank. If you want to know how to make a lot of money, call the guy that prints it at the treasury. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, he makes a lot of money. He doesn't get to keep it. But same for me and you to say like, and then just have your kid dazzled. The white, the phone number for the White House is 202-456-1414. That won't even cost you a nickel, mm-hmm. but it'll just dazzle your kids with feeling engaged and yes. like this is our world. And and it's not with a militancy, but like approaching life with resolve. And I think the flipping through the pages of Maria's book, it's just a mom approaching a life with resolve. Yes. With all of her focus on yeah. the family. She yes. isn't carriage. She's a bright light. She doesn't need a spotlight. Yeah. So she's just saying, I'm focused on the family. How are we going to do it? And if I could add something real quick, Meg, to that, is that mm-hmm. the 
beauty of what Bob just described of things that we've done for our kids, they were remarkable to us at the time. It just sort of felt like my mind was being blown at every every stage. But to now see how those things are being passed down mm-hmm. from generation to generation, our daughter, who was raised with all of this and, you know, called the White House or her dad dialed it for her, <laughs> she's now doing it as a, a school teacher. She doesn't have kids, but she has a classroom full of school, of school kids, second graders, and she's used that number in the middle of class when she thought one of the students really needed to talk to the White House. So, oh, isn't that wonderful? Thing that you yeah. start something based on a decision that you've just decided as a couple yes. that you were going to do for your family, and then just watch it uh, affect generations to come. Yes, Maria, did your parenting? change at all when your kids became young adults? Because I I get a lot of questions from parents about parenting 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds and and, and looking for advice. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to the, the moms and dads out there who are parenting adult children still? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, as much as I'd love to give advice, I try so hard not to. I, I like I, I can share the observations that I've made from watching my kids grow up and go through those different phases, and some can be more difficult than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like the seasons change faster than you realize once the kids, you know, have gone through some of their developmental phases. And for the parent of an adult, I would say that it's probably true that the we might think that when the kids are little, they're like wet cement, and then as time goes by, it hardens. Mm-hmm. I actually disagree with that. I think kids are born with a chisel and a mallet. And the minute they get to the world, they start in on us, and they start yeah. helping us be the best version of ourselves, no matter what stage they're in. And sometimes it's harder when they're older and can talk <laughs> yeah, yeah. and ask hard questions. Really what they're doing, it's like iron sharpening iron. Yeah. And it, what we want to see in our kids needs to be coming from us first. So right. we can model respect uh, by being respectful. We can model love by being patient and kind and joyful. We can model the desire to serve others by letting them see us enjoy serving others. Mm-hmm. Um, we can you know, develop a faith and, and hopefully pass that on to them because they see us loving God in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that modeling. It's that being willing to grow ourselves and maybe kind of getting the help we might need in areas that we're stuck in um, so that it doesn't get in the way of our relationship with our kids, that we hope to have a relationship with them as their adults. You know, I think that's the ultimate success is when your kids are 25 and they want to be with you. I mean, to yeah. me, that's successful parenting. And, and um, I mean, my adult kids are really my closest friends now because they have yeah. kids and, and, and they're grownups and I don't have to parent them anymore. And it's so wonderful. Right. But, you know, parenting really does get more fun as it goes on. And I try to tell people that, you know, who, who are so against teenagers and all this kind of thing. I said, you know what? Those are some of the best years of our lives because the conversations you can have with kids are extraordinary because yeah. they're yeah. wondering and they're thinking and who am I and what am I? And, you know, where should I go to college and and what could I do? It seems to me that both of you parent with the sense of fearlessness. And I see a lot of fear in parents. What are parents so afraid of? Hmm. I think uh, one of the things that comes natural to all of us is the fear of failing. 
as a parent? Yeah, you just don't want to mess up. And we're all, it's, you know, we're all on the JV team. <laughs> like nobody really <laughs> yeah, has yeah. this. We think we're wearing the varsity jacket, but we're like really on the JV team. And I think uh, uh, piggybacking on that idea of a childlike faith, I think what uh, God's uh, big view, my worldview, is that he wants us to move the kids' table because <laughs> that's where Jesus usually is. Mm-hmm. Like that idea of take your kids along with you, though. Um, it's this idea of we try stuff all the time and, you know, failing isn't a bad day. That's just Tuesday. You know, it just <laughs> happened and we go, but I want to fail trying. I don't want to fail watching. Right. And I think if there's one thing that we've spoken a lot to the kids about and tried to put wheels on is to fail trying. And so you take your big idea and you roll it out. And uh, this lodge, we built this lodge up in the end of an inlet in Canada. Our nearest neighbor is 10,000 square miles away. I mean, it's crazy how isolated it is. We make our electricity off a glacier on the property and grow our food. And (laughs) and we'll bring all these people up from different countries that are mad at each other. And 32 different peace agreements, like, just get signed in this beautiful place. Well, After 22 years, it was finally done, and we hired eight guys to go up for two months to put one last coat of stain on the thing, and they made a mistake, and they burn it to the ground. Stop. Literally, Mm -hmm. it's gone. It's Mm -hmm. just erased, and there's something about that. Like I think it's been a career. It was a relationship. It was something that your listeners had. We've Mm -hmm. all experienced pain and loss, and I think there was a a woman who was well-intentioned but was still working on her people skills a little bit. And she said, the reason God did that is he wanted to show you his power. Mm-hmm. I wanted to scissor kick her in the neck. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Exactly. <laughs> I think what happens, like as we all experience loss and pain, I think it's to show us his presence. Mm-hmm. So if we could just feel this sense of presence, whatever your uh, traditions are that you've grown up with, but to just feel the power of love in your life in the middle of the losses, then you're not afraid anymore. Right. You're just saying, I'm just going to fail trying. I'm going to try this thing. I know I'll t- take a hit every once in a while, but that doesn't define who I am. Boy, that's a message that parents really need to hear today because not only are they afraid of failing, but they're afraid of their kids failing. And so they work very hard to make sure their kids don't experience failure or struggle. And I find that mothers in particular will swoop in and pad their kids' lives to make life easier and nicer and and finish things and do things for them. But you need to push them and say, just fall on your face, fall on your face, go for it, go for it, because that's you know, it's it's in the the the, the lodge being burned down, and you just are mm-hmm. gassed, and you can't believe it. That that's mm-hmm. that's where your transformation comes. It is, and I, and they see that too. And I think as a mom, the fact that I did hit rock bottom in the course of my life and bounced up, I I place a high value on hitting rock bottom. So sometimes I would pray when my kids had rough spells that they would just that God would get them there quickly, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> get to that place fast so we could start working on the bounce up part and all the lessons learned from it. No, I was just thinking about how we don't always grow where we're instructed. We grow where we're loved. We Mm -hmm. grow where we're accepted. Mm -hmm. And so what uh, I've seen Maria do in our family in particular is to create a place where there's love and acceptance. It it isn't algebra class. We're not trying to teach everybody Mm -hmm. their new things. We're trying to love them 
So they would grow in the ways that they're meant to grow. And there's something beautiful if you know you're never flying without a net. There's something beautiful for risk takers. Then you just say, like, let's go do this thing. Mm -hmm. In the back of the book, one of my favorite sections is the epilogue where I asked my three kids if they would like to give a message to the readers, kind of as a party favor at at the end of the evening. You know, just what would you like the reader to know about your life, what it was like being raised in this family, you know, lessons learned. And our youngest son talked about the fact that he didn't feel like he was flying without a net, that he could take big risks Mm. and knew that if he failed, he'd still be loved. Um, You know, you have the consequences of the fail, but our love for him was not conditional. So that's one of my favorite parts of the book is how they share some of their own personal experiences about growing up. That is wonderful. I, I don't know what is the best part of the book because it's 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 very captivating. And I think that, you know, you're so transparent in there and allowing your kids to sort of chime in on yeah. on your parenting. That's bold. I mean, I that's know. really bold. Was, yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. a little nervous, but I know them well enough that they, they took it seriously. It was very, it was a very sweet moment for us and our family. Wonderful, wonderful. My guests have been Maria and Bob Goff. Maria's book, Love Lives Here, Finding What You Need in a World Telling You What You Want. I thank you so much. There, there is so much wonderful information and encouragement um, uh, that you have, uh, and mostly an inspiration to a lot of the parents out there to live more boldly and to take risks and to raise adventurous, strong kids. So thank you so much for coming on today with me, Maria and Bob. Oh, thank Thanks, thanks a million. for having us. All right. Thanks for loving people really well. We're proud of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. All right, parents, let's get social. I want to hear from you and I want to interact with you. You can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Meg Meeker MD, or if you have a question, send it to askmeg at megmeekermd.com. Today I have a question from Stephen who writes, Dear Dr. Meg, one of my children has a developmental delay, while the other child does great in school and is otherwise developing typically. It's been a struggle to try to get my typically developing daughter to give my daughter with a developmental delay the grace that I think she needs as she sometimes struggles to keep up. This is something that a lot of children need to learn to deal with as children with special needs seem to be separated from their typically developing peers in school and after school activities. They're all going to have to share the same world at some point. What advice do you have to help parents teach their kids to interact with other children who have special needs? That's a wonderful question, Stephen, and I've seen a lot of kids grow up with a sibling with special needs, and I have yet to meet an adult sibling of a brother or sister with a special needs who has not said that their lives were incredibly blessed and deepened by growing up with a sibling with developmental needs. So while there may seem to be this conflict early on in life when the kids are young and the child without the special needs can mistreat or be rude to or separate from the child with the developmental needs, at some point in their life, that child will come to appreciate and be so grateful for the sibling they had with special needs. So I want you to hold on to that and to look forward to that. Now, in the present, when you you have young children and you have uh, one child has developmental delay, or even if you have children who 
have no issues and they're going to school with a child with a developmental delay, it's very important to teach children empathy. Now, here's the thing. Empathy does not come naturally to kids. It really is a learned skill. There are children who are more sensitive than others. There are children out there who want to please other people. But there are a whole lot of children who don't care. They're very self-centered. And all kids are self-centered. Some are more sensitive than others, but some kids are not sensitive. So they need to be trained and taught. And what I would encourage you to do with your child who doesn't have a developmental delay is to sit down and talk to her about what it would be like to live as her sister. And I would say something like, Sarah, now you are so lucky and you you have two legs and you can go out and you can dance and you can play soccer. What do you think it would be like if you lived in a wheelchair like so-and-so? You don't want to make your other daughter feel guilty about the fact that she can walk, but you want to try to draw her in by sketching scenarios about what the other person's life must be like. This is a, a skill that all kids should learn how to do. I encourage parents of children to constantly try to look at the other kid and say, I wonder what Bobby's life is like when he goes home and he doesn't have a dad at home. What do you think it would be like? What do you think he feels? What do you think he eats for dinner? And you do the same thing with a child with special needs. What do you think it would be like to not be able to walk? What would it be like to not be able to speak to somebody? How would you communicate if you couldn't talk? That must be pretty rough. So you really begin to bring life to the child with developmental needs in the eyes of the child who doesn't have them. And I promise if you do that year in and year out, that's really going to help. The other thing that you need to do is to encourage the child without issues to help, physically help the child with a developmental delay. You don't want to overburden them. It's not their responsibility to parent this child, and they're not to feel guilty because they don't have a problem. But can you help me feed your sister right now because I'm busy? So don't be afraid to involve them in the help and the care of the child with a developmental delay. I promise you when they're 25 or when they're 28, they're going to be so grateful for the sibling that you gave them who had some issues that they didn't have to deal with. So that's what you get to look forward to. Parents, I love answering your questions. The harder, the better. So keep sending them in to me. You can email me your parenting questions to askmeg at megmeekermd.com. That's askmeg at megmeekermd.com. I want to thank my guests, Maria and Bob Goff. It's been a wonderful, enlightening, and inspiring conversation. Before I go, I'd like to recap my points to ponder. One, we are not the things we've done nor the things done to us. Two, don't settle for living on the surface. Dive deeper. And three, as you dive deeper, let God in. Let God into those painful and those happy and those fearful places because God will direct you and He will help you move forward and use all of those things to benefit you and to make your life bigger than you think it can be. And remember, parents, until next time, great kids are raised, not born. 
Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. And thanks to you, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over a million downloads. You can like Dr. Meeker on Facebook and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at MegMeekerMD. Just as a reminder, go to MegMeekerMD.com and sign up for her newsletter for giveaway opportunities and updates. And don't forget to share the podcast, write us a review, and click subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Oh, 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 oh